podcast with an exclamation point. This week, I spoke with Antonio Ciangoli. Antonio is the founder and creative director of Italian menswear brand Eidos. We talk about his New England roots, working with Michael Bastian, and how at the end of the day, it has to be about more than just making cool clothes. Let's dig in. All right, well, Antonio Ciangoli, <laughs> you are on Buemo. I am beyond elated <laughs> to have you on because Thanks, we've known each other for a good amount of time, and you're one of the few people that I actually have known for a long time versus said that I've known for somewhat of a long time, but really I've only known him for like a year. <laughs> like, you were in my wedding. Like, yeah. You know, like, so... St. Louis. Yeah, that's right. In St. Yeah. Louis. Um, I'm... But you're on here. I wanted to talk to you a lot about, like, you to me, whenever I try to, like, model myself against, like, this is a really cool story, or wouldn't it be cool if my life was like this? A lot of that is, and, like, a lot of that is you in a nutshell. That's very nice of you to say. I appreciate that. So, you know, you're from Vermont. You you get your start at a couple companies. You work your way up. You get your own company. I mean, so I want to get into some of the details of this. Um. About where you're from. About where I'm from, Burlington, Vermont. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, love, I love Burlington, Vermont. Big family? Big family. I'm the youngest of five. Right. Yeah, boy, girl, boy, girl, boy. That's good. My, and, my parents never got what they wanted. They were like, oh, we had a boy. <laughs> like, we should have another one. And then it didn't happen. And they were like, oh, we actually really like having a girl. We should have another one. Didn't happen. And my uh-huh. mom wanted six kids, and my dad wanted uh, one, and they, you know, split the difference. Yeah, it yeah. seems fair. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll go one less. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah. So anyways, it's cool. I love, I, it was, uh, we were all spaced out. So there is five to six years in between each one of us, which is kind of crazy. So the, like the big gap, there's 16 years in between my oldest brother and me. And what's funny, he's actually my best friend. So, um, And that's cool because, yeah, I mean, so. I'm friends with my brothers, but I know a lot of people whom... That is not really norm to be that close to your family. And that's yeah, cool. it's fun. I mean, and it's what's funny is that it's always been that way. Like Adam and I have always been tight. Uh, it's hilarious. He gave me uh, he gave me his shot perfecto that he hand embroidered with his name and initials the year he got it and my name and the year he gave it to me when I was like fourteen or something like that. Just sick. Uh, you know, like I I listened to the Misfits. He like, he gave me he gave me the Misfits box set uh cd set when i was in like seventh grade but he wouldn't give me the liner notes because of like all of the lyrics he's like you can hear them but i don't want you to read them right uh like <laughs> some uh, of these things aren't really good to say yeah right exactly <laughs> well the joke was he wouldn't and then i kept he was like i'll give it to you when you're older and then he just ne- like I, I think he gave it to me when i was like 27 he was like you're old enough now uh right it was like you're finally old and you're finally mature enough to see these yeah um but uh yeah, so we've always we've always been tight. I've taken a lot of kind of cues from him. Skateboarder, yeah, that's where I, that that's my first skateboard was his skateboard. And you still so, skateboard, like yeah, to this as day. much as I can. That's the like if I, as I said, I you know I, I've got two kids, another one on the way, uh, and congrats, um, and then basically Ados's baby three, and so uh, it's you know it's a hustle. There's there's not a lot of us here. It's super small, and so when i have if and when i have free time and i'm not with my kids i'm out trying to make sure that my legs still work and and i can still skate well, uh, so yeah you mentioned ados and which is that's the company that you 
are the creative director of, and you were kind of the main guy and designer. Um, but you, before that, you, you you designed and worked for other companies. What mm-hmm. was who was the first company you worked for? I, my first job was at Vineyard Vines, which is funny, but God the bless those, God God bless those guys for hiring me. Seriously, I I, uh, I went to USC and I studied communication. And towards the end of my time there, I kind of figured out that this is what I wanted to do and did not, you know, I had always drawn and had always been into it, but, um, you know, I didn't have the foresight to think that, that this, that this was going to be the career I wanted. And, uh, I was really kind of looking for, I was definitely going back to the East coast, uh, when I graduated and I was like, how do I even begin to start? Right. And, uh, Vineyard Vines, you know, I had a couple of interviews at Ralph that never panned out anywhere. I had a hilarious interview at Ferragamo where I wrote that I was, you know, semi-proficient in Italian and then got to the interview and they, I finished the English part of the interview and we got to the Italian and my Italian was not good enough. Oh, uh, no. and then never got the call back. Like, uh, <laughs> it's, it's still not good enough. Uh, and I go to Italy all the time. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, Vineyard Vines, I got an interview to answer phones in their call center. And I brought a portfolio with me and, uh, they, you know, it was that whole, like, where do you see yourself? And I was like, well, let me show you. I, I actually did a bunch of designs for them. They called. No shit. That, yeah. I, I don't think you've ever told me that. Oh man. It's, it's a funny story. I, so uh, also it started just to get their attention. I sent them, this is so, so lame and cliche, but I was looking for a way to, to break through. So when I tried to get the interview, I mailed my resume with a Sperry topsider, uh, one Sperry topsider, one shoe, one shoe. Uh, in the thing, and I sent it directly to either Shep or Ian. I can't remember which one. And literally, my cover letter was like, "Now that I have my foot in the door, um, oh. the, <laughs> the worst, <laughs> so bad, oh, so bad." But they called me, right? So they, so they called me. I think they were like, "Oh God, this goofy guy." And uh, so, <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, so they I, they called me. I came in with a portfolio, and I'd actually done a bunch a bunch of stuff for them. Uh, and they called in Shep and Ian came into the interview because of the way that I was there in the first place. And then they brought in the head of design into the interview and, uh, we looked through the stuff and they hired me. I answered phones for a month. Uh, then they moved me to graphic design, which I did for two months. And by the time I left, I was doing all men's and women's accessories and kids clothes. Uh, that's quite the way it was relatively quick. I mean, yeah, but it's all. You know, hard work is the given. You always have to do that. But a, a lot of it's luck too, right? So like my boss that, who was there uh, had come from rugby at Ralph. Right. And then left and went back to rugby. And when they left, when he left, they just didn't replace him. So I just took over all the work, right? So I, so I just started doing all of it. And then uh, I, lo- I actually loved rugby at the time. So both the Wolvens shirt the women's designer at vineyard vines had was a woven shirts designer at rugby and then my boss steven was the accessories designer at rugby and he went back and they connected me to the people at uh at rugby and uh i harassed them until they brought me in uh and so wait how long were you at um vineyard until you went to i was at vineyard vines for like a year and a half something like that that's Uh, pretty quick yeah i was there for like a year and a half and then uh yeah man the that polo was, was what I really was, was what I was psyched on at the time. Uh, rugby was at the, I, at the time, amazing, um, aspects of what they did. I really, really loved and, and responded to. So it was where I wanted to work. I was so psyched. I've been really lucky that the, I mean, 
I, even at the time, I was psyched on Vineyard Vines too, right? So, so I've been lucky to have, can say that I have been very psyched on the places that I want. Like I've worked where I wanted to work. I didn't have to suck it up and work it. You know, I can name a bunch of places that right. I'm, not, I'm not going to sure. that, that okay. I can be like, well, I had to start here. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's been, I don't know. This has been an interesting and so trajectory. at rugby, what did you, what did you do there? I was uh cut and sew knitwear designer. So I did, um, and I, I was, did, yeah. Go ahead. Was that, was I going to say, was that a little bit, was that very similar to what you were doing at Vineyard Vines? I mean, from no, I mean, Vineyard Vines, I did at Vineyard Vines. I was doing accessories. So I was doing like men's bags women's like handbags and then kids clothes so so the kids clothes was essentially for the most part just shrinking down the men's stuff but then trying to like slip little things in there like i slipped in this little ringer tee without anybody knowing because we had an open skew and it stayed in their collection for like two years after because they sold it really well and the other <laughs> thing is i doesn't so they gave me a design project to do they had a and uh, this is at vineyard this is at vineyard vines yeah. they had a, a jacket called the nor'easter jacket which was their like their version of a Patagonia all weather jacket, whatever they wanted to do a series of bags out of it. So they asked me to like take the jacket design and turn it into a series of bags. The last time I checked, I haven't looked in a little while, but they still sell the Nor'easter bag. Like it's, which That's is cool. hilarious, right? This is totally hilarious. I mean, it's, it's had some kind of updates and iterations, but it in general, is the bag I designed. So that's kind of cool. That it, like it's, <laughs> it's still there, like legacy left, uh, which, is kinda, which is kind of dope. Um, for, uh, for, um, rugby, rugby, I did cut and sew. So it's funny, you know me, I've always been the kind of guy that like hates logos. I've always hated logos. Yeah. I don't want anybody's name on me. Like I've that. But and, incidentally you're at the well, logo my, Like capital. my main <laughs> job at rugby. So I worked on cut and sew knits, which is the rugby shirts, the polo shirts, all that stuff. And my main job was processing the logos. So like we, I didn't design them, but we had the category that had the most logos. And mo mo the biggest part of my job was literally like picking the thread colors for all of the things, like picking the twill that we we're going to use on the patch and send it off. Oh man, this is funny. Um, skull and crossbones all day. Oh, skull and crossbones, man. I was just telling somebody about that. Was, someone asked me like, why did rugby not work? I was like, how much time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bummer. It was really a bummer because we did some really great, I, like there were aspects of, of what we did there that were awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I just think it got lost. It's like the kind of thing when you have Joseph's Technicolor dream coat all over the <laughs> store, like, how are you going to see? Like, I mean, it just was so bright. So, so much stuff to look at. And then we did, you do like a sick, like thermal rugby shirt, like that was really simple. And it was like, oh, that's kind of a cool idea, right? Taking thermal, doing it as a rugby. You couldn't even, you didn't even see it in the store, right? Like, and it's like, oh, it doesn't sell. It's like, well, of course it doesn't sell. Cause you, it's like, you know, yeah. multicolor camouflage, the whole story. You're not going to see any. So anyways, um, it's funny. Yeah. Rugby to me always had some of the best looking ad campaigns, but I would be like, oh, those are cool. Like critter pants. And those, that was a cool <laughs> rugby shirt and this and that. And they have this M65 on it, but then you'd go to see it in the store and like, I'd put it on and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to look like it. And I'd look in the mirror and I'd be like, oh shit. <laughs> I feel like I, I, for me, I just never looked good in it, and I realized that it was because I wasn't a model. Like I didn't look like this awesome, cool dude with like D'Artagnan hair. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I I loved working there, and I loved working at Ralph because I learned a ton. But I, it, like you, 
rugby was a very schizophrenic brand and that there were every different person that worked there had an opinion of what the brand was. And for me, uh. it was like, I loved vintage Ivy, like an updated take on vintage Ivy at the time. My father went to, I mean, we talked about this. My, my father went to the university of Pennsylvania in the early sixties. I had a lot of those clothes at my house. I always loved them. Yeah. And so th- to me, there was an aspect of what they were doing, you know, that was awesome because it was that right. It was, the slim Oxford shirt in a bunch of different colors, a great slim chino, like cool vintage tweed jackets. Penny loafers. Up to, yeah, but then it's, you started layering in all of the, and I did, actually, I was not a fan of how we advertised it. For me, it just always felt like too young and we were pandering to something. Like, yes, it was. There was young. nothing to me. They, they used to do, uh, they used to, uh, they did it a couple times in ad campaigns where they'd put a guy in like Patrick Madras shorts a logoed sweatshirt, like a bow tie and a sport coat, like cruising down a boardwalk on a skateboard. And for me, it bummed me out so hard. Like, this is right? not supposed like the, to happen. Bow ties and skateboard shouldn't be anywhere near each other ever, no. ever. Right. And so, uh, that, that always kind of bummed me out because there was a lot of stuff in that store that was, re- or that was really, really good. I, I mean, God, if you've ever seen a Ralph Lauren concept room, like a rig room, the, yeah. the place is it's just remarkable. Like, it's, yeah. you see that it's, it's incredible. Coolest pinboards ever. Yeah, it's, I, it's, it's awesome. Uh, and the people that I worked with there were so, so talented. The head of design there, Lee Norwood, amazing dude. And then my boss, who is still my mentor, John Yang, is the best designer I've ever worked with. This guy's incredible, so humble. And I, I mean, it's amazing to learn from people like that because you go there and you, most people I think in New York don't realize the best designers in America, in my opinion, work at Ralph Lauren and you've never heard of any of them. You, nobody knows who any of these people are, but mm. they have, they're all like encyclopedias of clothing. I'll never, I mean, I told this story before, but I think about John Yang, one of my first week I was there, he, uh, he sits down, he's like, draw, sketch a field coat, right? And he's like, take your time and sit down and sketch a field coat. And so I said, okay, I went away for like an hour and I threw like a million different things together. It was ridiculous. And, uh, and I bring it back to him. I thought it was super cool. And he's like, this is horrible. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and I was, why? Why is it horrible? It's super cool. He's like, well, he's like, none of, it doesn't make any sense. He's like, you've got it belted like an international jacket, but you've got pockets on it, like an L.B. barn coat. And there's, you know, like so shotgun shell it. pockets on it. He's like, yeah. you have to understand where this stuff comes from before you just start throwing it all together. And that has informed that one idea has informed my entire career, right? Wow. Like the idea, and that's how they think about stuff. There is that when when you if you're thinking about Ralph in a glass half full type of way, they they do things the right way. They 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 know the providence. I would say, you know, it gets a little bit questionable when they start slapping like military logos on stuff. And that's a bit of a bummer, but, but usually like in design, so they know where stuff comes from. Right. So yeah. like when they make a field the jacket, know. the details are correct. Like you could go back and say, Oh, this is where this came from. And then the, uh, the twist and the update to it is usually really good. I, I mean, still, you know, not all of that stuff is kind of my cup of tea, but I never walk out of that store thinking that brand is not awesome. Like wow. you, I, I, every time I go in a polo and I look, you start turning stuff inside out, I shake my head. It's so good. It's so good. And, uh, yeah, all these, there's some amazing designers that just have this incredible wealth of knowledge there. And, uh, nobody knows who they are, which is kind of sick. So, yeah. But then, you know, so you were at, how long were you at rugby? I was there for like two years. And that's kind of where you also had started 
this is where I met you yeah. is you had started this blog <laughs> at the time that, you know, again, this is when everyone kind of had their own sort of like blog spot yeah. thing. And it was 13th and Wolf, yeah. uh, which is it still up? Yeah, I never took it down. Yeah. Yeah, I never okay, took it down. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, I think that was where, like, I got to, you know, because I didn't really know who you were. You didn't put your face on any of your pictures, you know, because I remember asking you, like, how to tie a double foreign hand. I was like, how do you make your tie look like that? <laughs> Strap it around again. Yeah. <laughs> and then you went to, at the time, which was, like, the new, you know, gold standard of, of like, Ivy sort of menswear was Michael Bastion. Sure. And, you know, and so over there, what did you, what did you do at MB? Cause you were, I was the deputy creative director of Michael Bastion, right. which is, I mean, I was the number two in design, but of, you know, two and a half people. So we had interns. So it was, uh, but, <laughs> but uh, you got to make stuff, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, it was, it's funny. I, I was not looking to leave Ralph. Um, I was really happy there. Yeah. Uh, I loved my boss and, uh, but I had this blog because, you know, my name's Antonio Chungoli. I'm Italian. You know, my, I've got my great grandparents are tailors on both sides. And I, I you know, I've, I've always kind of loved tailoring. And right. so, um, I was really interested in, in that. And I was interested in kind of all, uh, Italian things and Italy and Italian clothes are kind of a four letter word over at Ralph. Um, and so, uh, and so I, wasn't satisfying that interest and i wanted to learn more so i started i mean i think everybody was was doing blogs at that point right? yeah so i was in. like oh well, i'll do this thing because this is kind of what's interesting to me and nobody seems to be talking about it and nobody was talking about it right so like it's funny because nobody nobody i don't think anybody ever really read my blog um, but uh but <laughs> it's uh it, yeah it was it was a cool way to start talking about that stuff and i was interested in michael because Michael's production was through Brunello Cuccinelli, right? So like yep. for me, I grew up in Vermont. My father wore, you know, L.L. Bean corduroys with Ben Silver bow ties and Borelli shirts every day. He was a doctor, right? So That's like so that, that mix of Italian and American was something I kind of grew up with and thought was interesting. And whether I like it or not, that's kind of always been the foundation of my, you know, approach. Uh, and, uh, and so Michael was doing that. That's, yeah. that's what he was doing. And I thought it was super interesting. So I, I remember I was writing about it and I, he commented on something I wrote about because he has Google alerts and, uh, and he, so he got an alert about it oh, and shit. sent a comment about it. And, uh, and so I emailed him. I was like, oh, maybe I could interview him for the blog. Uh, nice. Like, yeah. Get MB on the blog. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I met him for, for coffee and, uh, he started just telling me about his business and told me a bunch of stuff I couldn't write on the blog. Um, uh, <laughs> but then he, he was like, you know, we may be looking to add to the team, uh, in the future. Is that right. something you'd be open to doing? And I said, yeah, sure. I mean, you, you never say no to something like that, right? You just, of course. Like, any sense to turn down an opportunity, but think like whatever. He and called he had me a just one CFDA, right? Uh, he'd been nominated. He didn't okay. win until, and, until like a year or two later. But, okay. um, but uh, yeah, so he called me a month later, uh, which is crazy. I wasn't expecting it at all. And it was, I mean, I was, I was an associate designer of cut and sew knits at rugby, and he threw a very big job at me. And it was cool because he also had just launched the thing with Gantt, mm -hmm. so the collaboration with Gantt. So I was working on one product category, and it wasn't a product category I was interested in. I love the people I worked with, and I liked being at Polo. Um, but I had this opportunity to sure. do, have my hands on a lot more things and learn a lot quicker uh, and really kind of yeah, just get thrown into it and have it be this huge, huge challenge. 
So you can't say no. It's, I, it's fine. I mean, I had the conversation with John, my boss, and I didn't quit. I asked him what I should do. I was like, John, I got this job offer. What do you think I should do? He's like, you have to take it. Uh, nice. So yeah, it was sick. It's uh, It's the best. Uh, he is the best. And, uh, and so I took it and uh, went on and worked for Michael for three years. And yeah, we did, we did a lot together. We got, yeah, it was, it was a good, good little run. And I think like, you know, cause that was stuff where, um, you know, Michael Bastion's aesthetic at the time was like, you could, you could see it and call it out. Right. Like you had the great, like the paratrooper pant. Mm-hmm. And this was also right as the time where Anglo Italian, whatever <laughs> goofy name you want to label sure. it was the coolest thing on earth. And in a lot of, it's funny because before we did this pod, I, w- I was going and I looked through like all, you know, like other designs and history and stuff. And I still think that the JFK collection of Michael Bastion is one of the so best good. menswear collections ever. So like, good. yeah, I know there's Raph and there's all these other cool things and I'm not belittling that, but like the JFK MB collection, awesome. It's funny, man, the, the stuff that he did before I got there, I like a lot better than the stuff that we did. Like that's the, and that's, that's like more of a diss on me than, no. than that. Like the, he, the first couple collections he did are so good. You yeah. go back and look at it. And again, like this is, this is what I, I'm not cool, right? Like I'm not a streetwear guy. I'm never going to be like, I, but, uh, but I look back at that stuff and, uh, there's a lot of cool things in there. The duffel there's coat lot, with the, like the fireman. The Paddington bear coat. The that's Paddington what, that's bear what he coat. called yeah. it. Yeah. The Paddington bear coat. I mean, it was, it was phenomenal. Yeah. And. So I was looking at that and I was like, wow. And that stuff still like you could see it now and someone can wear it and it's good. Like that to me was some of the like the collection and clothing of that was fun because it had a lot of people when, you know, you're like selling this thing of like, oh, it's timeless. It's timeless. But if it's fashion, it kind of can't be because then you're never going to buy anything again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But he had some of those stuff and I was like, damn, like it was great. And the fun part is then you join and. Then I got to see, like, from someone who was, like, a hardcore MB fan, um, I got to see this, like, Antonio, like, influence through it, <laughs> you know, because I, I, I would say yours and MB's styling was, was a little bit similar and that, like, not sprezzatura, but, like, the little bit, you know, like, the collar was up here and, you know, the sleeves were pushed up here, the, the bean mocks. And this was stuff that before you were there that you were talking about on 13th and Wolf. Yeah. I mean, you that's know. just the thing is that, you know, he's from upstate New York. I'm from Vermont. We have a lot of the same reference points. It's the reason why I wanted to work for him in the first place is because I saw so, mu- so much of myself in what he was doing. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that, uh, that makes sense. But I mean, we all have our own. We do things our own ways. But, um, but then this kind of golden opportunity comes. and. That was Eidos. Yeah. Right? And, like, can you talk a little bit about, like, how that, like, got to start? I sure. Because sure. you would always, I mean, from when I knew you, you would always sketch stuff, um, like, constantly. And so in my head, you know, because some of the stuff I, I remember seeing you sketch made it into Eidos. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, absolutely. How, how, did that, how did that get started? I think that um, you have stuff that feels that, that, that is good but might not be, that might not be right for what you're doing. Right. And so mm. like the perfect example is I still come up with Michael Bastion ideas all the time. Like that's the, to the <laughs> Michael, point where you're listening to the point where one, one of the jackets in his new, uh, gap thing is yeah. based on a sample I gave him like, 
eight months ago where I found this sample and I was like, oh, it has like zip off sleeves. Mm-hmm. And I what's go- and I saw it and I was like, oh man, this just has Michael written all over it. And I walked down to his office, knocked on the door because we're still uh, like we're still friends. Yeah. And I say, hey, Michael, how's it going? And then I was like, I found this. This needs, this is you. Like, I can't do anything with this, but this is you all over it. And he put it in the gap thing. You know what I mean? Like, that's so it's, uh, some, so sometimes that works one way or another, right? You have an idea and it's like, oh, this would be perfect for that. Or you have an idea and it's like, well, this doesn't quite fit this. This is something different. And when we started Eidos, um, I think it's, it's evolved and changed a little bit. But when we started it, it was more, more focused. I, I think the best way to sum up what Michael does. I think of Michael as the way that new the be, the best way in my opinion to look at what Michael does is the way that New Yorkers timelessly dress. Like you think about Bergdorf Goodman private label the way it used to look. Oh yeah. The way Bergdorf Goodman private label used to look 15 probably when Michael was the fashion director there, right? Yeah. So that has a lot to do with it. But it, there's it has this like subtle Italian but it just feels New York. Like you imagine like the wind blowing down the street on a cold day. It's like a tweed jacket and jeans like a big chunky scarf and like a ski hat. I don't know. You don't see it anymore, but it, it's almost like a character you could have seen walking down the street in Seinfeld. Yeah. Right. Like that. And that's sick. Like when I, you look back at those early collections, the first, the poets, New York poets collection that he did. Yeah. That's that vibe. And that's amazing. And for me, it was always just a little bit more Italian, more focused in tailoring. And so when we started Eidos, the idea was to build a lifestyle collection around tailored clothing. And so the sportswear was kind of designed to be worn with tailored clothing. And his, he, his was more athletic than that. Like he always had an athletic influence. Like I tried to make, mm-hmm. I tried to make Eidos when it started be a little bit more, I don't know, it, just not that, right? Sure. So a, well, a I mean, little bit you. more like, yeah. Um, it still had kind of rugged Northeastern influences, but it was more, it was more Italian, right? Like, and, and I think at I mean, the time. And also all made in Italy. Yeah, right. But at the time, um, that was a good thing to do, right? I mean, it was actually probably a little bit late, but, um, but yeah, I was going to uh, say you're saying at the time, like as opposed to that is is it not now? I mean, what? I mean, I think you and I know that um, that uh, if you're trying to start a tailor clothing business right now, it's, oh, okay, it's not yeah, yeah, like sure. it, it's it's that's not uh, the smartest thing in the world to do. I think for me, what as everybody grows and moves forward, and I. And what Eidos has become and where kind of my head is at is I just want to make easy clothes that guys want to wear and get dressed and not have to think about. And so that is, but it's like, what are guys, what are they excited about and what do they need? Right. And so it's, I try and, you know, there's always a story and there's always stuff that we design into it where maybe there are some things that are a little bit out there, but for the most part, it's just good, simple, easy clothes, right? The quality is good. It's made beautiful fabrics. It's a nice silhouette. Um, trying to be a resource for guys and so that means right. tailoring like i still think that that's 100 valid yeah every guy needs a great jacket every guy needs one great jacket one, you know one good suit but it's not everything and you need all that stuff right and so it's what's the best version of everything uh and i think one of the main impetus impeti impetuses uh one of the main <laughs> reasons for uh for starting Ados, also working at michael bastion was you know and it, it's through no fault of michael's but Pricing was really tough, right? When you're a de- any designer sure. at all, yeah. a- any, any designer, most designers don't own their own, most independent designers don't own their own factories. They don't Very own their true. manufacturing. So if you start looking at the supply chain, it's like a game of telephone. And with every call, things get more and more expensive. And so people used to complain about how expensive our stuff was all the time. 
and um, at, and, at, at Michael Bastion, yeah. particularly because for the kinds of things that we were doing. And, you know, it's one thing to charge. This is the Cuccinelli. Yeah, right. But it's, it's one thing to charge, you know, $8,000 for some, you know, really high conceptual Rick Owens coat. It's another thing to charge $650 for a Chino. Just be, I understand that it's made in Italy, and I understand it's Italian fabric, but it's still a chino. And yeah. at a certain point, a chino shouldn't cost that. You know what I mean? And so um, you start to get a little bit disillusioned of that. And and uh, and I knew that Isaiah, who you know are, they're the majority shareholders of of Eidos, I knew that they um, they had owned two factories. They own one factory. Uh, in Casanova, just outside of Naples, where they make their collection. And then halfway in between Roman Naples and the town of Frosinone, they have um, a second factory. And that factory had made private label tailoring and private label outerwear for everyone uh, for 30 <laughs> years, literally everyone, right. from Arnie's in Paris to Liverano in Florence to D Square to Valentino. They, they made all different levels of quality. And, uh, and so for me, it was a way to kind of cut out a step. Yeah. So the idea was it's how do we. And take, scale how do too. we yeah but how do we take you know this idea and try to democratize luxury a little bit and take a really really high quality product and make it more affordable and accessible to more people uh and so that was kind of but build a whole idea around it not just suits you know, do kind of everything uh and so that was the initial start and they were crazy enough to uh, to uh say okay so they hired me and that's what we you know that's where we started and it's it's developed a lot i i still i would like to think that you know it's funny i just did this because we've we've done these beautiful kind of campaigns every season we work with a photographer named glenn Alsop, who's awesome shout out and, glenn yeah shout out glenn Alsop, the best but uh i went back to the first one and looked through it this weekend i went through all of the images this is rome the first yeah one? i went back yeah. to this is rome and i went through all of them I'm all, I'm still psyched on everything. So that's good. So, like it's, it's not a lot of designers can say. Yeah. That. I, I mean, would I put stuff together that way now? Probably not. I think of the, I think as the collection is developed, we've just tried to simplify, right? Like simplify, 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 and, uh, make the collection smaller, um, more focused and, uh, and just easier to wear. So, mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, but I'm still psyched on all of it. So. And that's one of the things I like about Eidos stuff, because, again, like before we were here, I was trying to look through. And, yeah, and I looked through all your collections. And it was cool to see um, how a lot of that stuff evolved. But it didn't evolve as much as I would think, because the roots of the looks, like the, the, how it was put together has changed. But there was still pieces in there, like a perfect example, um, like the overcoating. Overcoating that you've done, to me, has always been really, really good and oh, can thanks, be man. worn worn in a very sort of suiting tailored look or it could be worn with like jeans sweatpants sure. and tennis yeah. shoes and like if it that, can't if it can't be then i'm not doing a good job yeah well that's and the that's point. the thing is like that's that's because at least with you know how men have kind of evolved into you know i mean you look at brands like Laura piana and that, like, I'm not, I don't know a ton about how LP's business is, but at least, like, their lookbooks and their sure. color stories, I've always, like, oh, this is good, because it was what a lot of guys wore. Like, they wouldn't wear a suit every single day, and they would have these kind of, like, sportswear-based stuff. And to me, it was, like, you know, the storm system and the fabrics, and that was great. But, yeah, you looked at your overcoating and, you know, like, the knits that you have, and, and like, that I was, like, oh, okay, like, this is, it, I realized that at the time, like, maybe I just wasn't that mature to understand how all these things put together because 
when I look back, that means I'm, I wasn't doing a good job. No, so no, 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 no. But, but like, that's the key, right? Is that it, if we're doing a great job, everything is doing like double or triple duty. And like, it should be in the, and I think that's where the collection's gotten a lot better is at the beginning, it was way it was harder to put style. together. It was, and, and what's funny, it, it was way harder to put together. And I would see guys put it together and be super bummed right (laughs) (laughs) and so like i would see certain things i'd be like oh man and that's so it's been simplified more than anything just because yeah you just try to make it easier for guys right like yeah yeah i don't know that's uh yeah it like it should be it should all be a no-brainer like that's the that the goal is to try to make the collection a no-brainer and also i think in in the i'm not saying like how you were doing your business but what I would see is like some designers, okay, like Rick Owens is a great example. I love Rick Owens. Always, I've always liked him. But of Rick's stuff, if you don't wear Rick head to toe or the Rick look, you, it, you shouldn't really wear it. Like, I, you know, maybe a leather jacket, but a leather jacket's its own thing. But like, if I'm wearing a very long, drapey Rick Owens shirt that is designed to decompose, quote, right? It's designed to decompose. I can't really wear that with what I'm wearing right now, which is jeans and an Oxford. But with Eidos and these, you know, these other brands that like, you know, I would say are, are like your contemporaries now, I could get an Eidos piece and then wear that throughout all the clothing that I have. That's, I mean, again, that's, that's the hope. That's what, that's what we're going for, right? Yeah. It's just, yeah. So, and so like, I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and I think that to me is more of where men kind of are going because and you know, and we can get a little bit into this, and maybe not too crazy, but like, there's so much stuff out there, and yeah, it's hard to it's, look at. Yeah, it's overwhelming. Like even now, you know, like I used to consider myself very in the know on brands, and I realized I don't know crap anymore. Like I'm like on Mr. Porter, and I'm like, who's this brand? This <laughs> brand's on Mr. Porter, and I don't know who they are. You know, and I used to be Mr. Cool Guy. I knew about like Sruly wrecked out of Iceland. You know, and like now, <laughs> it's. And so I, I I don't know, and I think to me it's exciting because a lot of people are trying to make stuff. Yeah, it's awesome. But I think it also presents this challenge of like, if you're gonna do it, you got to make sure that you can fit in everyone's, you know, wardrobe now. Because I don't know if people are going and buying head to toe looks. Like, truly wrecked. Perfect example. Dude made a leather jacket, or I, no, I think they were gloves out of his own skin. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. obviously that's not what you're doing like you're not trying to make you know you're not doing ccp like just weird stuff yeah um even though ccp is cool but like really is it cool is it cool when you can't wear it so i don't know yeah i i get all of that stuff and i think that there's a place for that stuff i want guys to wear our stuff yeah. no but like that's the you know i at the end of the day it has to be about more than just making cool clothes yeah. Like that's the, and it's always, for me, it's always been about that. There's a, there's a level of number one, helping people, um, because it's really funny in, in, in doing this for, you know, three and a half years now, something like that. Um, that's the, you got most guys, most guys kind of don't know where to begin. Right. Except for we, I think we live in New York where there's a lot of people that are super advanced, mm-hmm. um, and they know what they want, but you know, it's, uh, I get a, the, the question I get all the time is like, tell me where to begin and where to start. Really? And it's just simple. Like that's uh, I don't know, man. Um, uh, just keep it simple. So I, th- I mean, I think that's, you're right because it is you're, and what it, you were saying earlier. Yeah. It's more than that now. Like, yeah. and, uh, 
one of the cool things about that is like you're also a guy whom I believe wears a lot of their influences on their sleeve in the, <laughs> in the best way. Like, you know, we were talking earlier, you're skateboarding. You like sure. skateboarding. I know a lot of people whom I talk to that say that they're skateboarders. They're not skateboarders. <laughs> they don't skate anymore. They just say that they did it because everyone else at that time did. It's and really no one's popular right now. A, 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 you know, yeah, no one's going to fact check 13-year-olds, right? Like people, you're just not going to be like, hey, let me, let me find out about that. Did you actually skate? You know, so yeah, it's really popular. It's a, it's the cool thing right now. Yeah, nineties skateboarding. But like your Instagram is like <laughs> like videos of you skateboarding, which is ridiculous. They never stay up very long. No. I put them up just because I'm psyched that I like put something down. Like I'm psyched that I landed something, and then I'm like, oh, this is so ridiculous, and I'm doing this. I take it right off. And um, but you've connected that to your brand, and yeah. I think. You know, and that is with a skateboarder whom, since I've known you, you've always loved. <laughs> uh, and I'm Luigi, Genie, uh, excuse me, Gino Ionucci or Gino Ionucci? Ionucci, yeah. Ionucci. Can you talk about how you got a skateboarder like <laughs> to be your model? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd, I mean, I'd always wanted to a professional skateboarder. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Gino. For anybody that knows anything about skating, or anybody that's ever skated, he skated for Gino's. Gino's, in my opinion the most stylish skater ever. Right. So I, and I, and it's not just cause he's Italian. Um, but it was funny. <laughs> I would like the joke in my whole family, people, in my family, everybody's really into sports, except for me. I always kind of just did skating, snowboarding, board sports things. But, um, but, uh, everybody in my family roots for sports teams, not based on geography, but based on the great Italian players on those teams. So my okay. family rooted for the <laughs> dolphins because of Dan Marino. My father grew up in Philadelphia, South Philadelphia, in you know the 50s and his whole neighborhood were yankees fans because of joe dimaggio so i mean okay. i think when it started and i got into skating gino Ainucci and guy mariano right like because yeah. they were italian but he's just amazing gee and and his style i think transcends skating it's not like if you see him or meet him it's not just a skating thing he looks just as cool off the board the way he talks he's just a cool guy and he's super nice um but i had always wanted to do something with him and i he quit chocolate and went to go work for or not work he went to go skate for a company called fucking awesome fa and uh, jason dill's company yeah, jason dill's company and when that happened I, it's funny. I always thought that somehow I get these like ridiculous, grandiose ideas that I'm going to have Gino Iannucci in my campaign, right? Which is preposterous. Well, right? I, yeah. I like, how do I get to this guy? Yeah. It's ridiculous. And, uh, and I, so I just always thought it was something that was going to happen the same way. I think Bruce Springsteen is going to be now I live in Jersey. Like I'm going to get Bruce Springsteen to do something for me. Um, he's in Red Bank, right? Uh, he lives in Colts Neck, uh, which okay. is like five minutes away, but, um, <laughs> sick. uh, <laughs> um, anyways, he quit chocolate to go skate for FA. And I remember thinking, I got to get on this quick because Dill's going to think Eidos is whack and like somehow not going to like is, is not going to let this happen, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Um, but uh, so I, my best friend from college is a guy named Brian Atlas and Brian is wrote the business plan for street league skateboarding. I don't know if you know what street league is yeah. but, uh, while we were at SC and uh, he's now the COO and, uh, he basically runs it. That's awesome. And Bry grew up in Jersey skating with Brian Wenning. And so he, all throughout college, he was very tapped into the industry. He's one of Brian Wenning's best friends. So when we were out there, 
you know, he always hung out with pros and stuff, which was really funny for me being there because, you know, you have pictures of these dudes on your walls and then you're at like parties with them. <laughs> being like fanning it, full on fanning out. Um, but anyways, I hit up Brian. I was like, do you have any, uh, any idea how to get, a, like if, how to get a hold of Gino? I have this idea. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I know to like two of his best friends. Let me see uh, what we can do. And he connected me with Ray from Mighty Healthy, who's, Gino's friend since 89 and uh, you know, they grew up skating together and Ray was psyched on what we did. And Ray is, you know, is kind of like the first gatekeeper of Gino because Gina, like it's hilarious is, you know, this he's built, there's a, this mythology around him. this like underground guy. There's not a lot of footage of him. He's super quiet. Yeah. Uh, oh, super hard to get a hold of. And uh, yeah, it's not like you could just tweet at him, right? No, he doesn't have any social media, nothing. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, Ray was psyched on what we did and put me in touch with Gino and he came to this office where we're sitting. And I actually, I mean, I have, I had met him twice before or anyways. Uh, <laughs> and when I went to high school in Italy and, uh, oh, and funny. I was, well, I've been skating Gino boards for forever. And I was walking down the hill out of my high school in Italy with a Gino board. And I got stopped by his aunt who lived a block from my school. And she's like, that's my nephew. And, uh, and she ended up being on the board of my school. So I knew her. So he like knew. And then I, when there was a super famous skate spot at USC called the blocks, which has since been skate stopped and impossible to skate, but it was around the corner from my apartment when I lived there and I was skating there one Sunday morning and he came through and was skating. It was just the two of us skating. And I went up and told him the story about that. And so he came through here. He's like, ah, oh, you know, my aunt, <laughs> he came, I was like, I know your aunt's super random, but he came through here and I told him the story and like refreshed his memory. And he was psyched on the clothes. So, and he's his dad's from Naples. His dad's from a little town outside of Naples called Durazzano. And uh, and so I was like, oh, you know, we're gonna go to Naples to do this shoot. And it was, I think, it was really kind of over when I said that. He was just psyched to go to Naples. Um, it was amazing. He so it was, it just happened, man. It was it, it was I, totally surreal. He crushed the shoot. We finished a day early. Went to a skate shop in Naples bought a board, and then skated on the Lungomari all day. It was amazing. I've Wait, got, there's like, skate shops in Naples? Yeah, yeah. Oh, dang. Um, and they all knew Gino. That was the best part. And, like, one of the dudes at the skate shop, because Gino has family in Naples, like, knows right. Gino's cousin. So that was, like, friends with Gino's cousin. It was, he knew the dude before. Was it, anyways, it, so yeah, so I have all of this footage, like, iPhone videos on my phone of Gino doing flat ground, like, in, in front of the Castel Uovo in, uh, in Naples. It's so sick. Uh, very surreal. Very, very <laughs> surreal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, I don't know many people who, like, get to meet their sports hero, but then get them to kind of, you know, work in a way for their business. I mean, yeah, he so, was I mean, the model. Like, yeah, he, I yeah. mean, we, it, he, was, he was the guy that season. It was super cool. I cannot, I still can't believe it happened. Further, he's, he's a good friend now, and um, that's even cooler, right? right? So, like, that's, that's even cooler is that, you know, I grew up with pictures of him on my wall, and it's like he makes fun of me for saying this shit now. Um, but now he's, he's a good friend. Um, and, uh, sick. sick. <laughs> that's, that's it's, cool. it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, totally ridiculous. And so what, to get a little bit back to Eidos, what collection, what number of collection are you going to be in now? Like what, what oh, year shit, would this be? No, um, it's, uh, either seven or eight. I don't, I don't know. The right. seventh or eighth one. So, I mean, Earlier you, coming, yeah. you talked about like simplifying and simplifying. Yeah. Like what are, I mean, this is just some of the last stuff before we, we, we close up. Like what are some of the things that at least goal wise that you're like trying to, to do with your brand? I mean, it feels like you've, you've evolved it 
significantly. Yeah. Sure. Um, you know, but like, what, what are some of the, like the last things that like you, you feel or like, Oh, like in a perfect world, like this is, this is the goal. You know, it's funny. I, with the way that the market is right now, being kind of so streetwear focused and mm-hmm. so, so kind of conceptual. And I don't, I think it's really, I'm going to sound so negative, but it, like it's a, a lot of what I see super shallow, right? It's a, there was a minute and I, I'm just a nostalgic person, That's okay. but so, so th- there was a minute where I think people at least seem to care about kind of where stuff comes from and where, where things, you know, how things are made, where things are made. And, um, that's always been a big part of like what, what I want to do. And so, um, the goals at this point right now are really just about making good wearable product. And I try not to go just trying to make the best wearable product and get it out to as many people as possible. It's funny. I was listening to the podcast. It's like to reference another podcast, <laughs> but I was listening to the one that Aaron did. Um, I love Aaron and, uh, Aaron, oh, Aaron yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, what he said about the idea of just trying to make the best product available to the most people. Um, that's, you know, obviously we're, we're a little bit different cause we're a lot smaller, number one. And we're, you know, we're doing things in, uh, in Italy because that's kind of our heritage and what we've always done. So it's obviously substantial, the pricing substantially different, but mm-hmm. it is still, you know, when you look at a lot of what we have in our collection, it's we offer things to people that they can't really get anywhere else from a kind of a price perspective, price to quality perspective. And I'm proud of that. So, so, you know, I, I, I really love what we do. Um, and I try at this point, you know, it's, it'd be very easy for me to be like, Oh man, we need to, we really need to do like some bomber jackets some like alpha industry bomber jackets <laughs> and like put an Eidos patch on yeah, it. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> it's just not us and it wouldn't feel, um, it wouldn't feel genuine. And I, I think, you know, uh, integrity and genuineness, if, if you, look at what we do hopefully that's the base of everything uh and so um it's just you know it's very it would be very easy to get caught up in all of that stuff um but i try not to i just try as far as like big long-reaching goals to be completely frank it's just getting our clothes on people so that they realize how great they are um and and how and you know if it hopefully makes them a little bit happier uh so I don't know. It's really not ambitious at this point. It's, no, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that is, that is ambitious because, you know, if you were like, well, yeah, you know, we've been looking and, and I really noticed how much the 90s influence is strong. So, you know, we're going to go to this 90s look. And it's da-da-da. the worst part of the 90s, too. It's right? so fun now. But yeah, see, I, here's where I, I told Jeremy at the beginning of this that I wasn't going to be a hater um, because I'm, I'm <laughs> sometimes no, I am. You have a strong opinion. But a no, it, and it's funny, but particularly because I grew up in, in the 90s, particularly I feel like you see, we see skateboarding being referenced a lot in fashion right now. Yeah, and particularly the '90s skateboarding, but it's not the right, in my opinion, not even the right period of the '90s. Like it was when skateboarding looked really bad. It was when people were, you know, wheels were super tiny, and the trick nobody cared about doing stuff in a stylish way. And like, I don't know, I'd like the part of the '90s that I'm psyched on was like big baggy cargo pants and like athletic inspired like like josh kalis thing and absolutely andrew reynolds absolutely (laughs) like running shoe inspired like big chunky footwear like when we did a sneaker ours was based on you know the links like that was the the, and that's the kind of that's where my reference is so i look at all this stuff and 
you could easily be like, oh, like maybe we need to make some soft, like deconstructed hats. It's like, or just forget about it and do what you think is good. Right. So it's just yeah. two different ways to tackle it. It's, I think about it all the time. It's like, should we, you know, should we try to reference some of this stuff? Because it's there in my history too, right? Like I wore that stuff. But it's like, or do we just do what we believe in? Yeah. And right? I mean, and I, that's and so I think that that's what, where it has to be. And I think people definitely respect and care about that. Like if there's, you know, and maybe this is me venting a bit, like, but if there's one more brand that pops up that is basically trying to make Kurt Cobain fear of God looking <laughs> jeans, I'm going to lose my mind. Like, and, but you know, again, like that stuff isn't going to last because if you just constantly trace that, like how you don't have an identity if you're constantly trying to get someone else's. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, and that's the thing is I feel, I just can't wrap my head for myself personally, can't wrap my head around that line of getting dressed. Like I'll see guys that were wearing a certain thing a few years ago and I look at what they're wearing now and I just, like I'd be so bummed on myself. Like there's one thing to evolve and I understand that and like adding new things in, but to approach, like you should think about the decisions you make and what you put on your body at least this is the way that I think about it for myself. Like I, yeah. Everything that I put on myself, I've thought about before I did it. Right. And so it was like, is this me? Like, am I, like, is, is this me? Is this what I like? What I like, does this feel like my personality? And to like go from that to like, just throw it out and be like, Oh, this is terrible. I'm like, now I'm this guy. I just, it's just not how I, I can't like, I, I'd be bummed on myself. <laughs> like I would, I would be bummed. Like I could still go into my closet and dig out some of the, not everything, granted, but like dig out some of the stuff that I wore when I was at Vineyard Vines. I still wear it. Like I still, there's, there's still some of the stuff that it, like that I, I still wear because I was psyched on it when I did it. And like, you, t- I still wear visor beanies. You make fun of me all the time. Like you guys, <laughs> you know, like Chad Muska, what's Chad Muska, Ronnie Krieger, like visor beanies. I think that's sick. I've been dreaming about making a cashmere visor beanie for years. Uh, much to the, like, you got you and a gash making fun of me about it. But, um, I still think that's sick. I still skating it, you know I mean? So, but that's the, I mean, I don't know. That's me being a little bit nostalgic. So No, that's cool. Yeah. Well, this is, uh, I mean, we're, we're about to wrap up, but is there, is there any other stuff you want to add or, or mention before we close or anything? We're good, man. I, if there's any other questions, I'm happy to answer them, but oh, this has know. been, this has been very refreshing. I love it. <laughs> I'm serious. I love this. Good, man. Well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah, See no you. Bye. You've been listening to Blamo, a podcast with an exclamation point. Thanks again to Antonio for coming on. If you like what you heard today, please leave a review on iTunes. It means a lot. Subscribe and listen to new and archive episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Find me elsewhere on the web on Instagram and Facebook at Blamo Podcast, or send me an email at blamopodcast at gmail.com. We'll see you next week.